Welcome to One Man's Opinion, brought to you by the Elite Fantasy, Fantasy Guru, and EliteSportsBetting.com. And now, here's your host, Jeff Manns. All right, welcome in everybody. Episode 74. Holy Lord, it's getting up there, man. We're going to hit triple digits very, very soon. Welcome to One Man's Opinion, folks, the podcast that indeed sweeping the nation, even in the middle of season two. Thank you guys for making this program a part of your day, however you've chosen to do so. Um, I'd love to see where you're listening, by the way. If you can tweet a picture at Jeff underscore mans, tell me where I want to know where you're listening to the pod. You guys listening in the office, in the car, listening in the gym or in the backyard or in the garage or basement or you're partying. I don't know. You're pounding booze. I don't know what you're doing. I want to know where you guys are, uh, are listening from because I'm very interested in it for whatever reason, just because I thought of it now. And I thought, That'd be pretty damn cool. Uh, by the way, I do have gifts. I have prizes. I have a um, a whole what uh, a box, I guess, a, a full crate or box of uh, fantasy guru fantasy football draft guides in paperback form, in actual book form that uh, I could give out to people that tweet in at Jeff underscore man's let me know where you're listening from. So I'll be giving those away all summer long. This is one man's opinion, by the way, this is episode number 74. I am Jeff Mans. If you're just stumbling into this podcast, what the heck is it about? Yes, we talk sports, but we talk pop culture. We talk life. We talk, we talk everything. We talk like people talk. That's the way that's my big, that's probably why uh, we're not picked up by the likes of ESPN. And places like that, because we were going to talk as people talk. This is uncensored. There will be cursing, especially on today's show, because I'm going to get into some heated topics for you as well. I am Jeff Manns. You find I am the host of, of Elite Sports on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio, four to six p.m. Eastern Time every weekday, right there, Sirius two hundred and ten XM eighty seven. I'm also part owner of the elite sports network that encompasses fantasyguru.com where you can get over there and find the 2021 fantasy football draft guide rankings and projections and coaching breakdowns again nowhere else in the world folks do they have that information of every single nfl team system what kind of offense they play what kind of defense they play if you don't know what Earhart perkins means or eric coriel or what uh, air raid or spread offense or zone blocking. If you don't know what a four, three difference in a four, three versus a three, four versus a, a four, two, five, or if you don't know what press man coverages versus zone, those types of things, if you want to get into the nuts and bolts of football and how it pertains to fantasy football, that's what we do at fantasyguru.com. It's all in the draft guide. It's for your fantasy football drafts, but it's also full season long. So you get rankings and projections and waiver pickups and assistance all season long, all the way through NFL free agency in 2022. So get over there to fantasyguru.com and join the party. Elitefantasy.com for all things daily fantasy sports. That's where we'll have our preseason NFL. Just a matter of weeks at this point, about a month away, I guess, from uh, the three-week NFL preseason Get over there. We've got Major League Baseball still going. We got postseason NBA at least for about another week, depending on how long the Suns and Bucks series ends up going. But we got PGA, MMA, esports, soccer. We've got uh, lineup optimizers. We've got uh, everything you could possibly dream and imagine 
over there, EliteFantasy.com. And of course, for sports betting and player props and future bets on the NFL and any other sport, EliteSportsBetting.com over there as well. So check that out. Follow me on social media at Jeff underscore Mans, M-A-N-S. On Twitter, the Jeff Mans, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. A lot to talk about here today, folks. I am not going to lie to you. I am kind of in a pissy mood. Um, it was my birthday yesterday. It was uh, another year older, I guess, is what uh, I could say to that. Not pissy because it's my birthday. I've, I'm resigned to my fate. I'm getting into old man territory. Something they never tell you is that you'll never picture yourself as the old man. I think my buddy Ted Schuster has a real hard time with this one because he he swears that the world is better now or was better then than it is now. And, you know, certain aspects maybe, but, you know, it's also, it's what every old person always thinks. I think that's just what happens when you get into your forties and you start, you have kids and they're growing up and you see, oh, this ain't music and all oh, these movies stink and TV shows were better then and sports were better than, you know, all that crap. Uh, that's that just you getting older. And that's why I feel the way I am. But no, I've got some uh, I got some real stuff to unload here and it's going to happen. I'm not going to do it on this episode. Right. Um, I, I recognize the fact that you got you folks especially this time of year you don't want to hear my nonsense if you do hit me up at jeff underscore man but i got i got stuff about the fantasy industry i got stuff about the business side of things here at elite that i just want to fucking go bananas on i just want to fucking start tearing people apart you know i really do and man, none of my coworkers now that's no but people certain other people that I just can't stand and are just the the epitome of terribleness. And it's unbelievable to me how certain people get a pass. I'm just astounded as we start the show today, but I'm not, I'm going to try to put that in the bank. I've got fantasy football talk. I want to talk about the MLB all-star game. I've got thoughts on that. I discussed them on Sirius XM a little bit, but I could be uncensored here. So why not say it? I'll get to that. Uh, I'm going to go through some of my rankings, my updated rankings at fantasyguru.com. I've been doing this on the show too, but I have not been able to get to a lot of players. I'll be able to do that here on this show as well. And I got a special uh, segment later on in the show. Only, oh, I'm only doing this on the podcast. I'm not going to do it on XM at all. And uh, that's going to talk about my New York Giants. That's I promised you guys, I alluded to it. Earlier on, I think it was a week or two ago, I said, you know, I, I, I'm chasing the Chargers. That was two episodes ago. If you haven't listened to that episode, I strongly recommend doing so. But I got a little, uh, I'm grinning about the Giants. I don't know what else with the G. I don't know. Uh, grabbing the Giants, whatever it is. Uh, I, I got some some thoughts on the New York football giants and uh i'm gonna leave that just for us on today's episode so a lot to get to i do some birthday thoughts for one a lot of you let me tell you where i'm at as i get another year older i'm 44 years old now that's weird to hear me say that because i feel like i'm 25 i get you always feel like you're 25 between 25 and maybe 35 like you, you know, when you get into adulthood, you know, you've, I think before that you kind of feel like you're always a kid, 
you always feel like you're a teenager or a nine-year-old or something, you know, you're, you're beholden to your parents or society or teachers, whatever. Once you, then you hit like 25, 26 and you're like, All right, I'm an adult, I'm a man now. And you know, that lasts for a little while. And then you just get locked in and I always feel like I think I'm 44 fucking nuts, man. Just crazy to think I'm that old, but you know, it is what it is. And, uh, I'd rather be 44 than younger because I know a lot more now, a lot smarter than I used to be. Um, and maybe that's more wise, more perceptive. That's maybe why I get bothered by industry things and everything. But, you know, the one thing that I will say as I sit here uh, another year older, I, I recognize something. And it's my own doing probably, but it, it was fascinating to me that I love my audience. I love you guys. I, I mean it. I really do. You guys mean the absolute world to me. I can't believe it. the amount of happy birthday messages and tweets and Facebooks and even, you know, some of the text messages and DMs and, emails and stuff like that it was just it's something else and you know on Sirius XM my birthday was yesterday as I'm recording this on a Wednesday night amount of people calling and those of you who said I tried to call but the lines were jammed because they really were I mean you don't know how much that really means to me it really does because you know I have been open about you know personal life stuff and and all that and I am at a stage of life where, for whatever reason, in my career and it, within the fantasy sports industry, man, I'm a target. Like, I'm a real live target by my competitors. People want me to fucking die. Like, they, I hear that people talk like that. I hear they say words like that, that direct, like that, honestly. Other people just hate me and think I'm a fraud. Oh, you're a fraud. You don't play. You don't win. All this bullshit. And that happened this this week with a lot of Javante Williams talk, right? And uh, um, people, one guy who's established in the industry and actually was pretty respectful, and another guy who's a dynasty fuckwad that is a just a garbage piece of shit that I went through his timeline, which I'll do. I'll dig up your dirt. Don't think I'm above it. I'm not above it. I, 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 I'm awake 20 hours a day. I will fuck you over. I'll find your shit. You, if you said things or whatever, and you want to come at me about some shit, I will find your dirt, baby. Don't even think I won't. Don't even think for a minute I won't. So I went and dug up this guy's dirt, and he's just a, a, a hater, a constant hater. You know, subtweeting me and, and everything. It's like, oh, my God get a life. But, um, you know, I, I'm a target with that. And I think what I've learned over the last couple of years, and you guys know what's happened at elite sports with, we've had a nice transformation, a wonderful transformation. I, I call it flushing the toilet because we got rid of all the shit, all the human pieces of shit that clogged the pipes of our ecosystem are now just, we just shit them right out into the fucking toilet and into the fucking ether that's what we did and it feels great but i'll say 
what I don't like or what I what I do like is it is it I have been more loyal I've learned to be more loyal to the people that matter I learned this in my life um I've been open about family stuff over the past and um you know growing up my neighborhoods and people I mean look at it look at the facts I've been friends with the same group of people for 30 years almost we're almost like three years for 27 years now in since we met like Ted and I, my boys, you know, Ray flowers who worked with for over a decade and all these. So like I've had the same group of people because like we're all on, on the same level and we all get it and we're hardworking. We, we share common interests. And I share more with all of you than I do with other people in the industry. I think people are jealous of me. They don't like money that I make. They don't like the way that I talk. They try to catch me in certain things, uh, whatever. I don't know what they are going to catch me in because they're I mean, pretty much an open book. But, you know, as somebody said, uh, I, you shouldn't play Dynasty League. Uh, you'd get killed in Dynasty. I'm thinking, yeah, dude, I, I didn't invent it, but I was, I mean, I was, I was playing Dynasty before this dude was born, probably. I've won on every level. And that's the thing. I, I would like some. Go ahead. What are you going? You're, I've won everything. I've won high stakes leagues. I've won baseball leagues. I've won football leagues. I've won NBA for a very brief period of time. I've never had a losing season betting on NFL. I've never had a losing season betting on baseball, even though I'm not good at that. And I don't, I don't post my bets. But we've done this five-team parlay last two years and never had a losing season every single Friday on the Sirius XM show, won copious amounts of fantasy football leagues, high stake leagues, low stake leagues, home leagues, uh, expert leagues, industry leagues, channel leagues, broadcasting leagues. I've won daily fantasy. I've won GPPs. I've won qualifiers. I've gone to live finals, dozens. I've won multiple live finals in baseball, in football. Nobody else has done that. It's not another person in the world that has done that has won their way in as much as I have. The thing that people try to get me on is that they claim I haven't won. You haven't won. Really, they say I never have won, which is obviously bullshit because they're new. But I really, according to them, I haven't won anything since 2016. Well, that's when I moved to Arizona where the shit's illegal. So I haven't been able to play in five years. But guess what, fuckheads? That changes on September 9th. That changes. Now I can bet legally, play DFS legally. I've had to do it under, I've given my uh, input to Ted, and then you can look up Ted. Ted's had to, Ted really got on a winning streak as of 2016. It's kind of weird how that happened. Played much higher stakes, played uh, much more aggressively. It's won every single football season, won a 15 out of 17 weeks in cash games last year. It's weird how that worked, huh? Good for Ted. He did a really good job. Ted's really good. Sure, he'll continue on that as well, but um, yeah, that that pisses me off. It just, you, you know who it is. It's the fuckheads that used to be here that couldn't compete with me here and that can't compete with me at other companies. And, you know, it's a shame that they're dragging really good, honest people down in the dumps with them, but that's what's happening and it's fine. But as another year older I want to express the fact that I'm not loyal to anybody anymore. I'm loyal to you. You guys make my day that my birthday was great. My wife and kids are amazing. My family is very sweet and nice. My friends are good. 
but it, it's it's those of you, the, the listeners, the ones, this isn't a, a relationship where I'm talking from an ivory tower down to anybody. I'm t- I hope everybody gets that. I'm, this is a conversation between all of us and that we are together. Our win, when somebody at the Elite Mafia wins, we win. I feel amazing. When Joey Slither won the million dollars, when uh, um, uh, I forgot the other gentleman that won earlier, in the season one in September, the million dollar winner um, has, it doesn't, didn't want official name given out. So I won't do that actually. Uh, but you could follow at, at elite fantasy HQ. The uh, screenshots are there from last September, another million dollar winner. When people win, that changes our lives, makes us feel great. We don't get any commission out there. We, we, that's what we want to do. It's what I am here for. Right. And that's why I'm doing the show after another show, you know, on a day that I had three shows already, because I want to talk to you. I want to get my thoughts down and then open up the conversation with you, all of you. So that's where I'm at as I get another year older. That I cannot tell you my appreciation for each and every one of you, because that's what means something to me. And that'll never change. Um, I have had a degree of fame. I have had, I have lots of money now where I didn't have lots of money before money that I believe me all the time. I think about retiring like all the fucking time and and not because I don't like to work. It's because I just don't, I know someday I'm going to get the whole canceled thing because I'll say something wrong. It's happened to me before, but not in today, 2014 when I talked about Matt Carpenter and I almost got canceled. Right. I know it'll happen. That's why I, I want to retire for like two years. And just say, fuck this, I'm out. Wait for all the dust to settle on all the political nonsense, all the shit that I genuinely don't give a damn about. I just want to end because that's not what I, I'm not here to tell you guys what religion to be, what, uh, what groups of people to like or dislike. I'm not here to tell you who to vote for. Fuck, do what you want to do. We should not agree on everything. We're not supposed to. Human beings are not supposed to agree on everything. You know, if you're lucky, you know, my wife and I have been married over 20 years. We don't agree on everything. We're not supposed to. No, this idea that we're all supposed, and then when you see somebody who disagrees with you on social media, you get all fucking bent. Why? Who cares? You know, who fucking cares? So, you know, that, that's where I'm at. I just want to express that to everybody out there as well. Speaking of getting older, the all, MLB All-Star game, well, it's a disappointment. I hated the uniforms. I hated that players were backing out. I, I really have loved this event for many, many years. Been a huge fan of the All-Star game. When I was a kid, I used to take a scorecard from uh, my little league coach, Mr. Anastasia. If you're out there, Mr. Anastasia, Jeff Mance, you're, you're a shortstop, you're a part-time pitcher, you're first baseman. I'm right here, brother. I, I never forget you, Mr. Hart, Mr. Anastasia. Great dudes. Great dudes who uh, I had the best times of my life with as a kid in a little league. I'm a twins, my old minor league team. Anyway. Um, but I would take a scorecard. I'd ask for a scorecard around the all-star break. And they'd say, Oh yeah, here's one. And then I would keep score of the games, national league, all, uh, American league and national league. And I would love, cause all the moves had to be made who subs in for who. So what place in the order players, I loved it. What the stats were totaling them up. And I, I loved it. 
mean, I loved, I loved the players in different uniforms, in their own uniforms, I should say. You know, now they're all in matching uniforms, which I hated. You know, it just, it used to be a great event. And it's unfortunately not. I posted a poll at SiriusXM Fantasy on, on the radio show earlier this week and said, do you, what do you guys think about All-Star Games? Are they still viable? Do you think we should still do them? 52% said no. Done. NBA, we know NBA All-Star Games a joke. There's no defenses. They, they did, two years ago, there was a pretty good ending to that All-Star Game when they had the target score and, and all that. It was kind of interesting. You, you run into it sometimes, but the NFL's been a joke for 20 years. The NHL All-Star Game, there's no defense played. Goaltending is very lackadaisical. Game's 12 to 11. You know, and, and the baseball ones become that pretty much as well. Not the best players from each team, and you can't pitch certain players because they're not on the right rest schedule. And you know, back in the day, it used to be you name ten pitchers to the All Star team, only three to four would pitch, and the other guys were there, but they didn't. Maybe they warmed up in the bullpen at one point, just so the fans out there could see them. But they didn't pitch in the game. That wasn't how it goes. Now everybody has to play. It's all fair and equal. It just doesn't seem like it's getting whole. I, I think Ray Flowers at Baseball Guys on Twitter came up with a great idea in that do more skills competitions. You know, I love the quarterback challenges in football, the hockey, you know, shooting the puck and passing is fantastic. The dunk contest, eh, but I love the three-point contest. Even the skills challenge in the NBA All-Star game is fantastic. The home run derby is wonderful. I mean, they should do that in uh, for baseball too. At the midseason, have everybody gather somewhere and you know, do a skills competition and, you know, have that, that, that would be fun. But if you, I want to hear from you guys at Jeff underscore mans, if uh, you're still into the all-star games or not, I didn't like it this year. I'm ready to uh, one of my favorite events in sports every single year. It's always been one of my favorites, but I understand that as I get older and I still like it and I still watched it this year even though I didn't love some elements of it specifically, I didn't love that the player, I could tell the players weren't into it. You know, Fernando Tatis was, but the guy's a, a fucking saint, right? He's just, he's so good. And Oh, by the way, let me, I'll comment on the, I didn't like the thing about Stephen A. Smith. I didn't like what he said about Shohei Otani. You can't be the face of baseball because you don't speak the language folks. Come on, man. I'm sorry. I'm again, I'm an old man too. Okay, and I moved from Chicago. I got my thick Chicago accent box. I say fox and box and these things, and everyone makes fun of me for the way I talk. And I'm out here at Arizona, you know, just a couple miles over the border of Mexico. And we got to give this shit up, man. We, we do. The world is a connected place. And we're all together. There'll be people that speak different language, but you, we, are, we have Google Translate. We all have Google Translate now. You can just run it through on your phone, click, click. Siri could speak other languages. Alexa could speak other languages. I mean, really, you don't need to be intimidated because somebody doesn't speak the language you do. I, I, I know some of you older folks my age or even younger are like, no, it should only be English. Eh, guys, that, that's over. It's just over. I mean, you may not like it. You may, it may threaten you or you feel uncomfortable. That's okay, though, to feel that way. It's your, I think that's your right to feel that way, right? I don't like when people, I feel like um, folks are speaking another language. They're always talking about me. Well, maybe they are. Look at this dope with the big face. Oh, look at his hair. He's stupid. Oh, 
and he smells like he uh, he's been doing radio shows for eight hours in a day. Well, he has. Yeah. So what? So they do. I, if that's the worst thing, who cares? Right. It's people will speak other languages. Stop being threatened by it. I don't understand how you could watch what Shohei Otani's done and not be mesmerized and impressed and happy and excited. I just don't get it. I just don't understand. Shohei Otani is a delight. He's one of the only things that is a positive in Major League Baseball this season. Him, my Chicago White Sox, of course, Fernando Tatis. That's about it. <laughs> what else is there? What else is really good about baseball this year? You know, the Giants being a, a crazy good team somehow, despite a significant lack of talent. I mean, maybe that's it. The no hitters, but there's cheating and people using rosin and all kinds of stuff. There's so many problems with fucking baseball. Shohei's not a problem. He's a delight. Fernando Tatis is a delight. Ronald Cunha is a delight. These are great young stars. The game that should be just embraced and just, just put out in front. And, you know, he's from Japan, played in Japan for a number of years. Celebrate it. Coming over here, if he sucked, he sucked. We saw, like, Daisuke came over here and sucked. We've seen other guys come in. Matsui was okay, but he was supposed to remember he was going to hit 60 home runs. That never happened. Shit's, by the way, Shoei's on pace for, like, 60 home runs. So he may break the old record. He may challenge McGuire. We'll see. Or Bonds. I'm sorry. You know, he may, he may do that. But uh, so Stephen A. Smith saying that he can't be the face of baseball because he speaks a different language is bullshit. And what he's doing, what Stephen A. is saying is it's more about all of us than it is about Stephen A. It's about he doesn't believe that we would embrace a non-English speaking player. And I'm like, well, Albert Pujols spoke English, of course, but a lot of guys, it's fucking Roberto Clemente spoke another language. Back in the early 70s. I mean, we will embrace talent. The world will, it's it's never going to be the delighted path that maybe a Ken Griffey Jr. had when he, you know, kind of rose up through the ranks and everybody embraced him and rallied around him. Or Mike Trout when he came up and, you know, may, maybe not. But if you're good at your job, and this goes for all of you, all of us, if we're really good at what we do, and we do it well, and we do it the right way, people will respect it. People will like it, right? And that goes back to my personal life with what I was talking about before. My industry, the industry doesn't like me. The industry just doesn't. And I don't, I think there's a lot of false rumors spread. I don't know exactly what's been said, but anybody knows me, knows the deal, and really knows me. I've never cheated a, a single person out of anything. I've never lied to people in business or, or elsewhere. I don't scam people. I, mean, I dare somebody to try to find an instance of me doing so. It doesn't happen. It's not, there is nothing there, right? And there will never will be because I just don't live that way. It's not who I am. But at the same time, immensely successful. Immensely successful because the radio shows that we do is good. The products at Elite Fantasy and Fantasy Guru and Elite Sports Betting are very good. All right. And that's that's it. We put on a good product. Don't need the competitors. Don't need the industry to like it. Don't need to get all the breaks and have everybody else promoting our work. No, that's the, the work is promoted through all of you, through all the people that win, 
through all the lives that we change and all the fun that we have. That's what changes it. And that's what I care about. And whether you're Shohei Otani or you're uh, uh, Trevor Lawrence or when you're really, if you're young, you need to prove it. People want to see your track record. They want to see you perform before they anoint you. But if you do it right and do it well, man, they're going to love you. It doesn't matter. We have seen that. I get it. I'm not, I don't want to get on tiptoeing on the racism stuff. I don't want to get into that, but it's true. I, I really do believe when somebody's just good, when you get to know somebody, none of that shit matters. It's just like all of our differences in politics and religions and shit. It doesn't, it never, it doesn't really matter. We build up those, those barriers ourselves that those come from inside of our, those are the walls we put up. And somebody in, it takes special people to jump over those walls. Say, yeah, I know you don't like me because uh, I'm Irish or I'm Catholic or uh, Lutheran or Missouri Synod or whatever the fuck, you know, I speak Japanese or I speak Spanish or whatever. You, you don't like me because of this, but you know what? You and I are the same. Look at us. We, we think like this. We both, we're both Cincinnati Red fans. We're both, you know, we both remember Bo Jackson, watching Bo Jackson with the Raiders growing up. We both uh, are, you know, whatever it is, we have so many similarities. So, you know, I, so I, that, that's where I stand on, um, on all that. All-Star game, we could do away with it. It's unfortunate. Have a skills competition. Instead, all right, let's get to fantasy football. I'm sure a lot of you want me to talk fantasy football and not uh, this other nonsense. So we'll dive into that. Want to get into some rankings with you guys here. What I'm going to do, let me talk about overall rankings because I didn't do this on the show yet this week. I will get into it a little bit. Over at fantasyguru.com, in my top 200 overall, I have what we did is all of the rankings has the position, the bye week, player position, bye week, the ADP, average draft position, um, tight end premium, two quarterback, consensus ADP. We've got all that stuff in there. And we got the, the strength of schedule built in too. It's right there for you. You could uh, choose to have it and print it out. You could take the column away if you want. It's all customizable, which I absolutely love this year. But in the top 200s, both PPR, and non-PPR, uh, we've got a gold stripe that goes through the players that are the best values, meaning the players I'm most high on that contrary to the field and their current consensus average draft position, they're not. So the players that I'm much higher on. So, you know, pretty nicely outlined, I think at least. And uh, I want to go through, I'll go through some of those players with you now. At the very top, um, it's Austin Eckler. By now, you all know why I love Austin Eckler. Go, go and listen to the Chase the Chargers podcast. I think that was episode uh, was 71, 72, maybe 72. It was uh, just a couple of pods ago. And love him in, in this Joe Lombardi offense in L.A. with the Chargers. and Herbert, check down guy from Oregon. And much improved offensive line and no Anthony Lynn. The list goes on and on. I've got him third overall. I love him. DeAndre Hopkins, I'm way higher on him than the field. I've got him seventh overall. He's my number one wide receiver. I went through that on the serious show. You know, this guy averages 106 catches and 1,300 yards a season. He is the most dependable player at his position. 
He just is every, and it's not going to slow down. He is, he could exceed his targets, his receptions, yardage, and he absolutely almost definitely will improve upon what he gets six touchdowns last year. His touchdown numbers there there's upside. You don't get that high a floor with a little bit of upside potential or even a lot of upside potential. He could double those touchdowns. I mean, he could double those touchdowns. That's, I mean, talk about 36 to 42 more points. He's the number one overall wide receiver with a bullet and could be the number one player running back, tight end, wide receiver on the board. So Hopkins, I have at seven. I'm way higher than him. DK Metcalf, folks ask me about him. I've got him 12th overall and much higher than the rest of the field. Most people have, I have him at the end of the first round. He is going at the end of the second round, even 26.2 ADP. That's third round, early third round. Metcalf is just too physically imposing. He's just too physically imposing to handle and the Seahawks defense I've got questions about I think it's a good situation for the passing offense don't forget Seattle was the number one offense in football through the first nine weeks of the season trailed off greatly after that and that speaks to DK Metcalf too his numbers plummeted as well but entering his third season we saw the breakout happen last year um, the only problem anybody ever had with DK Metcalf, including myself, was he wasn't a hands catcher at college. When we watched him and AJ Brown at Memphis at Ole Miss, it was uh, it, it, he was a body catcher. Well, he made the transition to NFL. The Seahawks were that's why he fell the what, second round on draft day. He fell because people didn't think he'd catch with his hands. Immediately came to camp, worked on that. Did very well his rookie season, was a breakout last year. He's one of, if not the best receiver in football. And he's legitimately could be the number one receiver next year. I wouldn't be surprised at all. There is no combination when you're that big, that strong, and that fast. You need to start thinking about Randy Moss, Terrell Owens, even in you know, guys with shorter careers, the David Bostons who put up monster seasons briefly was he on roids was he not we'll we'll see you know guys who are just too big too strong too physical they can't be stopped julio jones demarius thomas you know these guys don't rely on sharp route running and soft coverage and you know and scheme system to pull them away they just line up and physically dominate and we saw direct correlation between when russell wilson went to DK Metcalf last year, and when he went anywhere else. When he went to DK Metcalf's quarterback rating was higher, threw more touchdowns, more yardage, everything was good. Tyler Lockett had some big games, but Tyler Lockett was all over the place. Tyler Lockett was very dependent on coverage and other things. That he had a couple of monstrous games, but Metcalf was there all the way through. Metcalf disappointed us several times, especially in the second half of the season, but, you know, Lockett got 20 over 20% of his, uh, his yardage in one game. 20% of his receptions and yardage and touched and 30% of his touchdowns all in one game. You know, he Tyler Lockett only scored uh, in four games last year, five games last year, right? Got 10 touchdowns, but only five games at three touchdowns, three touchdowns. 
and another two touchdown to end the season and against San Francisco a monster game there. So I love Metcalf. He's the number one. They also brought in a new offense coordinator in Shane Waldron. Waldron is from the LA Rams. He's from that tree and is going to do, they're going to move players around a little bit more, a lot of pre-snap motion. They're going to give Russell Wilson the autonomy. That's the number one thing. That's what Wilson was pissed about. He's pissed about, he was pissed about the play calling. He was pissed about the protections, but he's mostly was frustrated for that. He didn't have the option. He, he would see things at the line of scrimmage when defenses adjusted them in the second half that he could not opt out of. And, you know, diva moment for Russ, but he's earned that. You got to give him the ability to opt out of those play calls and opt out of a run or opt out and, you know, float the ball, put the ball up into Metcalf's hand and let him make a play. You need to. So I love DK, man. I love him. He's my number two wide receiver off my board. Other players, uh, Allen Robinson, I'm higher on. That's wild. I'm stunned that I'm higher than him on the field. He probably will have his, the best quarterback, Justin Fields, for the majority of the season that he's ever had. And I think I'm hoping as a Bears fan that Fields' play will be enough to make Robinson want to come back in 2022, but we shall see. Mike Evans. Mike Evans gets no no respect at all. It's fucking nuts. His ADP's in the 40s? Guys are drafting him in the fourth round? What's going on here? What is happening? Mike Evans is being drafted an FFPC fantasy football players championship, by the way, uh, we just did a, a partnership with them as a matter of fact, over fantasyguru.com. So if you want uh, we got a link at fantasy guru site on Twitter at elite fantasy HQ HF underscore man's check out for that link for the FFPC $25 off any contest play best ball for like 20 bucks. It's fantastic. And so I highly recommend um, getting in and doing that. But you're talking about him being the 14th receiver off the board. What? What? You can't do that. All Mike Evans does is produce. Stop it. Stop it. Again, another guy, physically imposing, big, strong. It's odd that Evans is being – okay, take me for a spin here. Evans is being drafted later than he was last year. After Tom Brady and, and him won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady and him have had a year to work together. It took a little while. Evans was up and down last year. But when all was said and all was done, he still averaged 17 – or uh, oh, I'm sorry, he averaged a little less. It was like 15 yards per reception. But he got 13 passes. I think what people did with Evans is they look at the, the game logs, which is a smart thing to do, and you saw – two games in particular where he caught one ball, but it was a two yards of touchdown. Another one, he caught two passes, both for touchdowns. He was very touchdown reliant. There's no doubt about it, but coming out, that's not what's going to change. What's going to change there. I don't think anything changes 70 catches, a thousand plus yards and double digit touchdowns. Yeah. I'm taking that. I'm taking that. It's a weird value, the reception over the touchdown, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll take the, the six-pointer over the one-pointer any day you want to offer it. Um, other players that I'm higher on the majority of other people, um, J.K. Dobbins. You know, J.K. Dobbins was one, one of the picks. I'll do a, 
I think next week I'm going to do uh, review my entire Scott Fishbowl team, but I end up getting Dobbins and Gus Edwards. Got Edwards super late. Uh, my running back grid is updated for you over at fantasyguru.com as well with all the handcuffs. I in there I rank the best running systems in the National Football League, and Baltimore's clearly number one. I mean, they're number one by a wide margin. Greg Roman and what they do there just run the ever-loving hell out of the football. You may not like it, and you may worry about Lamar Jackson. I completely concur, completely agree. But Lamar running for another 1,000 yards, another – I don't know. I don't think he does. He's got to learn to throw the ball. Lamar Jackson has to. Defenses aren't going to keep a lot. He already took a 30% drop in rushing yardage last year, almost 50% rushing touchdowns less. There could be another similar drop. I mean, he will still be an effective runner. He'll still run for five-plus touchdowns and 600-plus yards, which is amazing. But, you know, Dobbins barely played last year and got 800 yards and uh, or almost a thousand yards, nine hundred and thirty yards total, nine touchdowns. Okay, I'm not that worried about it. Now you take Mark Ingram out of the entire fold, and you take give another 150 um, or so uh, uh, attempts or touches. You take that away from it. Um, man, sky's the limit. I, I think Dobbins is in a tremendous, tremendous spot, and. The, between Dobbins and Edwards, this is a, a running back combination that logged almost 300 carries, 1,500-plus rushing yards, another 300 receiving yards, and 15 touchdowns. I mean, that's so much meat on the bone. Yeah, I'm higher on Dobbins in the field, and I love it. Absolutely love it. I'm higher on CeeDee Lamb than most people. I, I Maybe – let me see real quick. The, the ADP keeps changing – um, 41 for CD lamb. That's about where he's going. Um, trying to find Amari Cooper. Yeah. 45. So actually majority of you are still choosing lamb over Cooper, but you're valuing them both less, which is interesting. I got Cooper 38 overall. He's going 45th. So a little bit, but I, I've got lamb 27th overall. He's going 41st. So I, yeah, I like CD lamb a lot. Again, you want to be, you want to catch those waves. You want to ride those waves. And this is a guy that's going to the moon. He's a player that I was not high on coming out of Oklahoma. I was pretty vocal about it last year and I was wrong on him. And when I see that I'm wrong and I watch it unfold, I was just praying since I didn't have many shares of him last year that I'm just praying that he wouldn't do as much with the shitty quarterback play. And that eventually I grab him this year and we, as a staff here at Fantasy Guru, we thought enough of him to put him on a cover of our magazine. And we don't take that very lightly. I don't think we've had a failed cover in my life. It's another thing. I, unless it was an injury, I'm trying to think of all the guys um, that have graced the cover over the years. Like Hopkins and Brady. and uh, We've had McCaffrey in a breakout year. We've had Sean Watson in a breakout year. We've had... Um, Matt Forte in a breakout year, Antonio Brown in a breakout year. Now, I mean, I don't I have to check. I don't think I've had a failure yet. Oh shit. I just jinxed them. Didn't I son of a bitch. 
Yeah, I probably jinxed him. All right, stay away from Lamb. No, I'm going in. Uh, I'll be on him in every league in the world. Mike Davis. The Mike Davis is the guy. I, I feel like he's a bit of a trap. There, I'll tell you why. I have him 35th, end of the third round value. I moved him up significantly in my running back rankings. I think I got him, what do I have, uh, 17th at running back. The reason I think he's a trap, a lot of I we're all seeing the same thing with Mike Davis that when you wait on quarterback or, or when you wait on running back, if you go with the Hopkins, Tyreek, Adams, or even Kelsey, you go receiver, tight end early, then you try to draft your running back. We're all looking, we're like, oh yeah, we'll just ask anybody, do you mind going wide receiver early? And guess what? I'll, I'll ask you guys that question. I want you to answer that to yourself in your mind right now. Would you draft wide receivers first, second round? Which running backs would you get? You're all going to say, oh, I'll just grab Mike Davis late. See, that's the problem. He is so far and away the best running back to get later on because he's it's just his backfield, all three downs, whereas other guys, whether it be uh, – um, um, you know, who else is going around him? Uh, Mostert or, uh, geez, Miles Gaskin is going kind of around there. Javante Williams going before Mike Davis, which I find to be crazy. Nobody's going to want those guys. Everybody just wants Mike Davis. That creates, he's on, there's only one of him, and thus you're going to have to draft him sooner. So personally, I'll tell you, you want to know how Jeff Manns messes with people during a draft? This is how I mess with people. If I see folks, I did this in Scott Fishball. The guy next to me went zero running back. All right. He went zero running back. He went quarterbacks the first two rounds, and he's going all receivers all the way. And I knew for sure that son of a bitch was like, oh, I'll just grab, I'm just going to grab Mike Davis and everything will be fine. I said, nope. I got him. Fuck you. I took him right before my, on one of our way back. I took Mike Davis right before he was able to, uh, to get him. I think it was like the sixth round in Scott Fishbowl where running backs were hanging on for a while. 25th overall, 25th running back off the board, which by the way, I got a sensational deal come to think of it on that one. But I did that with him and Michael Carter in the Scott Fishbowl. Cause I knew what I knew the guy's gone. I'm like, no, you're not. And Michael Carter's the other guy. Everyone's like, oh, I'll just wait and get Michael Carter. No, no. See, I, when I know that's somebody's plan, it does. I'll fuck with you. I'm just going to take him off the board and I'm completely obliterating your out your thought that I'm going to, you're going to get magical number one running back passing downs, goal line, you know, all that you're going to get this player while you wait, I'm not going to let you do it. I'm as a competitor, I'm taking him away from you. So I'm high on Mike Davis. I got him 35th overall. I got his ADP is 79. What the fuck is happening? What are you guys doing? Crazy to me. 79th overall. What round is that? Seventh, eighth round, seventh round. Crazy. He'll never last that long under league. I'm in. So I moved him up. Deontay Johnson. He is a uh, – as much as I think the Pittsburgh offense slows this year because of the offensive line issue, he's going to be the number one guy in targets, number one guy in receptions on that team. He plays the Antonio Brown role. 
And, you know, just to reaffirm my adoration of Deontay Johnson, I went back part of my process when making my projections over their fantasy gurus, I went back through uh, this Pittsburgh offense, the lineage. Now it's, it's different this year with Matt Canada, Matt Canada is different than it was with Todd Haley and with Randy Fickner, the previous two offensive coordinators. But I went back. Roethlisberger has always valued the underneath routes with the, the catch and run guys. And it's funny because Antonio Brown was drafted, I think, in 2012, but he didn't do anything until like 2014. There's two seasons where he did nothing. And it was all Mike Wallace. Brown played. I think he may have had a good 2013 or 2014, whichever year. He had a decent year with Wallace there. But then Wallace left and Antonio Brown exploded. And it's what everybody thought they were getting with Juju last year. But again, I was here saying the same thing. No, that that role, that Antonio Brown role, the Mike Wallace role, the Antonio Brown role is Deontay Johnson. That's who it is. Juju plays a different role. That's a valuable commodity. I've got Deontay 42nd overall. He's going 52nd. So that's a value. Javante Williams. Now, Javante Williams is the player that caused a couple guys in the industry to go at me. Um, very disappointed in people. I think I, I, br- I bring some of it on myself because I'm loud and boisterous and I'm very sure of myself. I know Javante Williams is going to be good. I know it. And when I watch him on tape, for those who I, – I, there's no – I have no interest in Javante Williams going into my process. In fact, my preconceived notion, predetermined outlook on Javante Williams was that a split-down guy, undersized, split-down, um, whatever. You know, Michael Carter will be drafted higher. He'll be more useful – in the NFL and you know, Javante will be a backup. So that's what I first thought. Then I did the work. And what is the work? Well, I looked at all the numbers, looked at the size, the speed, and slotted all that. And then I, I watched the film. I looked at all the numbers and the numbers are unbelievable. Numbers are just amazing. Then I looked at, I watched the actual games. And I said, Oh my God, this guy's, he's not picking up blitzes. He's not a willing blocker. He's a plus blocker. All right, well, coaches are going to love that. Immediately jumped off the board. I looked at the guys playing out of the pistol offense in North Carolina, which that's three yards behind the line of scrimmage. He's six yards behind the line of scrimmage. And he's got speed to get from there to the outside. That takes intense speed. It's not easy to do from that disadvantage in a shotgun-type formation. He's running right out of that. He That was surprising to me. He Tested at 4.51, the 40, eh, not the greatest, not 4.2, 4.3, but it's so different than anybody else. A 4.47, you're talking 0.04. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. It, it's just an insignificant total. It's a fast running back. It shows up on film. And then the, the part that really it nobody can deny, watching every North Carolina game last year, Javante Williams has power. The strong, some of the strongest legs you'll ever see. Not, he doesn't have AJ Dillon or Saquon Barkley's thighs, or maybe he does. I've never really looked at his thighs, but he's so strong. He delivers punishment to opposing defensive backs. 
and linebackers. He's not afraid to make contact and keep going. He's always falling forward, always. He's got that ability that he could be hit in the backfield and kind of slither away to slide to the back to the line of scrimmage somehow. Those things are inherent that can't be taught. Yards after contact, because in the NFL, your speed won't matter. Everybody's fast. They will always catch you. Always, 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 infinity, always. They will always catch you. But if you pick up yards after contact, if you are able to fight through contact, that is a plus. And that's an NFL running back. So all of a sudden, I'm like, damn, this kid's fucking good. Why is he splitting time? Well, barely recruited. He, he basically was a walk-on to North Carolina, last-second replacement. I'm like, well, now let's get into his recruitment, which is what I did. And I know the other folks arguing with me didn't do this work. I know they didn't. I, if you notice, I stopped because if you were paying attention to my little Twitter beefs, I stopped because I, I didn't want to embarrass anybody. I didn't want to have to embarrass anybody, but I know, you know, Javante, well, you start looking at his recruitment. He was, you know, his name, nickname's Pookie. Um, nobody in his small North Carolina town knew him as anything but Pookie. He is a, was valedictorian of his high school. He is an absolute bookworm. He wanted to be a, uh, uh, I forget, neurosurgeon or I can't remember what he wanted to be, but he has, he still wants to be whatever I can't remember what the career was, but something neuro. And <laughs> you know, it's very smart. And uh, he's he wants to have a career after football. Right? He wants to achieve. He got he had a four point six GPA at North Carolina, like an un, over four point. He's unbelievably smart. And every teammate on North Carolina would make fun of him because his books were first. Books were first. The classroom was first, uh, Javante Williams. And I got to tell you, why don't we evaluate players' intelligence at least, if not as much as their physical prowess, at least on that level? Or how about this, at least at all? Because none of these other folks are doing that. None of these other folks did that. They didn't look at anything about him, what kind of person he is. You know, Jesus, he's fast, he's big, he's strong. Yeah, that's that, that, those are important elements. I'm not discounting them. And they're probably more important. But everybody's big, strong, and fast. And everybody. And I mean it, it's true. Intelligence is a big separator. And Javante Williams has it in spades. The fact that teams had first-round grades on it. Michael Carter outproduced him. Michael Carter outproduced Javante Williams at North Carolina. Okay. Understand that Michael Carter was the alpha. He was alpha two years ago. It got a lot closer last year after Javante Williams' fantastic uh, uh, 2019 season. Both had a, a tremendous, like, incredible 2020 season. But Carter was the alpha. And how then does Michael Carter go into the middle, late of the fourth round and Javante Williams get – the Broncos to trade up for him in the second round when half the league, as it's been reported, had a first round grade on him, despite running backs not matter. How do you think about that? That's for a reason. That's player evaluation stuff. And the and then he fits with the Broncos fairly well. It's not the best landing spot. It could have been a lot better. But I do think this offensive line in Denver is underperformed. Garrett Bowles is very good. Dalton Risner is a 
solid, pretty good left guard. I love Lloyd Cushenberry to death. Now they drafted Quinn Miners, who could play either interior spot or center. But Cushenberry's damn good. He's the center in that championship LSU team. I think he's the key. And then, and then by the way, they also got Bobby Massey. He was not great, but he's a very solid right tackle for the Broncos. And then you got all you got Sutton back, Judy. You've got No Fan, Albert O. A lot of talent here on offense in Denver, and a great defense. Probably the best defense talent-wise in all of football with Kyle Fuller and Simmons and Kareem Jackson and Patrick Sertain, a healthy Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and Mike Purcell. Get the fuck out of here. This team is loaded. They're going to run too. So I'm all in. I love Javante. And the more it's – we haven't even gotten to training camp yet, and it already seems like he's going to win the job. The coaching staff, I thought it would take a little while. I thought eh, – I was hoping we'd – get Javante in in those first three games when they play the Jets, Giants, and Jaguars. I, I thought, oh, boy, what great. It's, he might be the RB1 before the season starts, which would be a little surprising to me, given veteran status that Vic Fangio and Pat Shermer usually give to running backs. But I'm all I'm way in on Javante Williams. Got him above the crowd. I've got um, – Odell Beckham ahead of the crowd, Robbie Anderson, Jamar Chase, Raheem Mostert, Trey Sermon, both of them. I like them more. Cortland Sutton I like a lot more. DJ Chark I like a lot more. Jerry Judy, notice the same similar teams in there as well. Mike Williams of the Chargers. I talked about him on that Chase the Chargers podcast. Michael Carter, I have uh, 86 overall. He's going 97th, 98th, sorry, in uh, – FFPC. So those are some of the players I like more. You can check them all out at fantasyguru.com. Um, let's talk New York Giants football. Why do I like the Giants? Okay, I don't like the Giants. But look at the, what we have to understand is the marketplace. Sometimes you're in the market for a new car. I actually got a new car this week. Fucking hellhole. There's no stock. There's no inventory, by the way. It's really pretty shitty um, out there. So don't, don't buy a new car right now if you could avoid it. My lease was up, so I had to fucking do it. But anyway, will you lease a car? Yeah, I don't drive old cars. It doesn't happen. I did buy the new one, though. Shut up. Um, but everybody, everybody in New York for the Giants are being drafted really low down. Saquon Barkley is the obvious kingpin. He has gone from fourth to eight. He's lowered by 50% his ADP, and he's slipping. You're, every draft I did at the FSGA week, he, this guy's going at the end of the first round now, and there's worries about the knee and everything else. There's that another. Let me, I'll, according to Fantasy Football Players Championship, who do you think's the next highest drafted New York Giants player? Probably got this, but it's Kenny Galladay. It's 61st. 61st overall. That's sixth round. Okay. So Daniel Jones, he is the, I don't even know what position quarterback he is off the board at, at this point. I think he is uh, like 22nd, 23rd highest quarterback off the board, 22nd quarterback off the board right now for ADP purposes. I, Okay, but let's look. Let's analyze the Giants a little bit. 
And they went out this offseason. We, we know what the Giants were last year. Okay, New York Giants were um, up and down team. They were in it to the very end. Second place in NFC East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 31st in points scored, blah. 31st in yardage, blah. 29th in passing, 19th in yards and rushing. And I'll say this, they ran the ball decently without Saquon Barkley. I remember, you know, Alfred Morris had a little bit of run. Devontae Freeman had a week or two. Um, Wayne Gallman had a, a pretty good season. Got seven touchdowns. So it ran the ball decent. Daniel Jones, everybody will say, we don't like him because he turns the ball over. All that's true. But he turned the ball over last year 16 times. Same amount as Josh Allen. Kind of you know, different way to look at it, right? Josh Allen's amazing. Okay, fair. Um, <clears throat> major difference in the offense last year. But they doesn't Daniel Jones and Josh Allen have very similar styles? They do. If you're comparing Daniel Jones to another quarterback in the league, it is Josh Allen. Why do they call him Danny Dimes? Because sometimes he throws the ball into tight windows and drops it and his ball placement. He, you could mistake Daniel Jones for Aaron Rodgers at times. And then guess what? Other times you, he looks like uh, Buck Rogers. Like he, you, you think this guy shouldn't be in the NFL. God, he's very Eli Manning esque, isn't he? But that's what Josh Allen was until last year. He doesn't have the power in the arm that Josh Allen has. He's not quite as big as Josh Allen, though Daniel Jones is not a small kid. He's 6'5", 220, 225. He's a bigger kid. And he runs. He's elusive, 400-plus rushing yards a year ago. So it is not out of the question that Danny Daniel Jones, I almost called him Danny Dimes, could take that big step forward like Josh Allen did last year. Now, I would not expect that to happen i don't anticipate it but again it, they do have similar styles they've had first couple of years with josh allen very hit and miss same with daniel jones entering the second full season as a starter now okay and the fact that he runs from a fantasy standpoint is good it gives them more outs picks up first down with his legs that's fine it's got to cut out some of the turnovers, of course, although I will argue that from a fantasy standpoint, didn't really hurt Josh Allen, same amount. Okay. Um, but look at the weapons then. Look at, he goes out and get Kenny Galladay. Kenny Galladay's one of the biggest, best wide receivers with pure size, strength, and speed combinations in the National Football League. They draft Kadarius Tony, a guy who profiles as an elite level slot receiver. They already have elite level slot receiver or close with Sterling Shepard. They went out and got Dante Pettis, a pretty sure-handed guy, former third-round pick of the 49ers. Darius Slayton was Daniel Jones' favorite target. He's the down-the-field, go-up-and-get-it guy. John Ross, who's a first-round pick with Cincinnati, they go out and get. So you all of a sudden, you got Galladay, Slayton, Ross, Tony. You've got downfield weapons here, folks. Real fucking weapons. They also went out and got Kyle Rudolph. Evan Ingram, very, very solid tight end for the last couple of years, right? He's a very good player, Evan Ingram. 
caught what 60 plus passes a, a year ago 63 passes a year ago and for ingram they go at cal rudolph they could now have versatility they could play two tight end sets they could spin ingram and or um the uh, ingram or rudolph out to, into the slot they could play them both on the line of scrimmage play jumbo formation then you get Saquon Barkley back. And folks, all of a sudden, I'll tell you, Josh Allen never had the running back like a Saquon Barkley. You imagine what Josh Allen could do if he had Saquon fucking Barkley or any viable running back? And that's going to be the ultimate test for Buffalo this year. When defenses know they're coming and they're going to throw the ball all over and you don't have a viable running game. Eh. So what it does is it's a numbers game, folks. When I did these coaching breakdowns at Fantasy Guru, that, that's defensive philosophy. That's modern defense. They want numbers. One-on-one -on -one up front, two-on-one -on -one in the defensive backfield. That's what that's what defensive, the, the most hip, modern defensive coordinators, that's what they go for. And so you're not able to do that if you have a Saquon Barkley. You're going to have to stack the box. You're going to have to play more players up because if you let him get to second or third level, he's gone. So you have to play him honestly. And you look at 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions for Daniel Jones. You're not going to be able to play nickel formations, even in obvious passing situations, second and long, let's say, second and nine, second and 11, second and 10. You're not going to be able to just discount the fact that they will, they're not going to run the ball and pick up some chunk yardage, four, five, six yards. So you're going to have to keep six, seven in the box, if not play eight. If you do that, you're leaving one-on-one -on -one coverage with, you know, Slayton, Galladay. Those two guys go up and get everything. Kadarius Tony and Dante Pettis, Sterling Shepard are real sure-handed possession-type receivers that can get that six-yard hitch route, that a quick out over the middle. You know, they can make that catch and pick up the first down. Daniel Jones could do it with his legs. You got Rudolph and Ingram who are weapons as well. That's they're they're loaded. They're really loaded. The problem has been the offensive line. And I've said this before, and it's in the coaching breakdowns over at uh, Fantasy Guru. Um, I've talked about that a lot. But I'll give the Giants credit. A lot of teams will have bad offensive lines and just kind of, whoop. That, well, we'll just have, we have to do better. We have to make a quicker drop for our quarterback. You got to get rid of the ball. We got to run smaller routes. And, you know, when you start doing those things, you are giving the defense opportunities. You're making it easier for the defense. If I could submit my, the offense, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I, they submit that they're just going to run smaller routes because they can't pass protect, I got them by the balls. So the Giants haven't done that. They are staying true to themselves. And they're, they've, they hired, they fired offensive line coach Mark Colombo last year. They bring in the, the former Patriot guy. He didn't work out. Now they go out and get Rob Sale. Rob Sale was with uh, Louisiana Lafayette a year ago um, for the last three years. Offensive coordinator, he's offensive line coach. He was at Arizona State before that. Uh, you know, he is a um, one of the more. 
modern, I guess we'll call it offensive line coaches teaches a new way. It's a modern day zone. It's not Rick Dennison. It's not Alex Gibbs. by the way, rest in peace, Alex Gibbs, one of the, probably the greatest offensive line coach in the history of the world passed away at age 80 um, just this past week. So former Broncos uh, uh, offensive line, he's the guy who did responsible for Terrell Davis and Mike Anderson and Orlando Gary and all that. And then, went to Houston was a assistant there taught Rick Dennison, everything he knows and Aaron Foster and all that. Good. So RIP there, but Rob sale, he zones it out. He plays sort of a power zone scheme in which they're, they're hitting and impacting. They're not playing parallel line of scrimmage the way other zones are set up, but they're also blocking. They're also bringing and pulling guards and even tackles into, into areas, you know, they pull them from one side of the line to the other side of the line so that they have numbers ahead of where the running back chooses. And the running back will have two gaps to go a or B, but they'll always have the numbers right in front of them to get you know in that first level. So it's a modern day version of that, which those kind that kind of coaching that kind of scheme could make up for a, la- a lack of genuine talent which i think the giants do suffer from i thought will hernandez would be better he hasn't panned out matt pert yukon guy i've liked him being drafted third round last year played well we'll start on the right side andrew thomas i liked had a bad first year specifically first half of last year but they do get nate solder back okay so they add him to this mix and um and, you know, and they move Will Hernandez from left guard to right guard and they advance Matt Pert in at right tackle. So they're making moves. And the other aspect, oh, they bring in Rob Sale, but they also also brought in Pat Flaherty as a uh, offensive quality consultant for training camp. He is going to work extensively with the offensive line. Now, Pat Flaherty it was the guy who's offensive line coach for 11 years in New York already very well known to the organization, very in with, uh, you know, back with Tom Coughlin and uh, he was the offensive line coach in 2007. And then again, in 2011, both years, the giants won the super bowl behind offensive lines that played way, way, way better than they were expected to. Okay. David dolls of the world. So, you know, he went to San Francisco with Chip Kelly after his Giants run, um, was with the, the Jaguars for a year as well, spent a year in Miami in 2019, helped that offensive line play much, much better, even though they traded away their best player in 2019 on that offensive line. So he's going to help coach this team as well. So that's – they're doing it. They are going after it and trying to improve this line. And they're doing it with scheme – and they're doing it with experience and mentorship. If the offensive line plays at an average level, if the offensive line plays at a below average level, the Giants are going to have a top 16 offense. If that happens, all there's going to be some of the best breakout deals in fantasy football there. So that's why I'm interested in it. We cannot forget that the Giants also play in a – in I'm sorry, the – shittiest division in football uh, with not a good defense amongst them. Oh, Washington. That is a mistake. 
Washington, very good defense, but Cowboys, terrible defense and the Eagles, terrible defense. So the giants also have a pretty decent defense. They overperformed last year. So, you know, I I mean, saying that's the giants are that team that have loaded talent. I don't, in my projections and overall, I don't expect them to have a huge surprise year, but if you're looking for that team, you're looking for that team that's sitting out there that nobody is talking about. Nobody. It's this, it's this Giants team. They're loaded with talent. They've made changes at certain coaches and personnel or um, coaching staff that they need to, right? So they're, they're making it, and they're getting after it. And we'll see what Jason Garrett and Joe Judge are, are capable of. But, you know, you look at the schedule and Broncos are tough. Washington's tough. First two weeks are going to be, eh. but then you got the Falcons, the Saints, which regressed defensively massive. They, Saints have taken some hits on defense, y'all. In case you guys haven't paid attention, the Cowboys, who aren't any good, Rams, who are good, Panthers aren't any good, Chiefs, that'll be a high scoring game. Raiders who are terrible, Buccaneers who are good, Eagles are terrible, Dolphins will regress a little bit. We'll see what happens with Xavier and Howard. I think if they lose Howard, it's going to regress. Uh, Cowboys, bad, Chargers, good, Eagles, bad, Bears, mediocre. It's not a bad schedule. That's a winnable schedule. And whether the team wins or not, I think fantasy production can be had. It's not just no other – no other, uh, you know, the weapons here are way better than whether it's, you know, Galladay at 61, if he stays healthy and has a season, is is like a league-winning type wide receiver. If it's Shepard, Tony, Slayton, whoever the alpha is out of those three, these are all guys going in the 200 overall. Talking, you're talking around 15, 16, 17, and later, 17 and later, all of them. All right. And, you know, and then you get to a tight end position with Evan Ingram's going 136 overall, 12th round, 11th round. I'm sorry. Yeah. 12th round, roughly. Yeah. 12th round. And Kyle Rudolph is not even being drafted. Yeah. There's value to be had. I think that the right way to draft a giant is probably Daniel Jones. It, it's, you know, the defense regresses a little bit. He gets a little more time to throw and he's got all these weapons. Plus he could run. So would I want Daniel Jones to be my QB one? No, I would not, but this is the perfect super flex quarterback. He's the perfect guy. Don't, you don't have to spend early on him. Nobody else is going to be excited. I got to draft Daniel Jones. Nobody's looking for that. You can get your first QB out of the way and then wait, draft running backs, receivers, then come back, grab Daniel Jones, a breakout candidate right there for you. So those are my thoughts on the Giants. Uh, all right, folks, I've got a little extra today. Look at your boy getting after. See, I always told you, I love all of you because I was in a shitty mood when I started the show. And man, I just, just talking to y'all, even though we're not interacting live, I just, I feel the energy out there. I could tell by the numbers, tell by the interactions and comments, you guys are digging it and uh, I'm feeling it. We're, we're helping each other out. We're marching towards championships this year. And I absolutely love it. That's going to do it for episode 74. Everybody appreciate you uh, downloading and subscribing and hopefully you tell a friend, you know, tell you the rest of your league. Hey man, I got the podcast. I really dig this guy's all right. He'll help you. You know, if, if you do that and bring more listeners to this year podcast, 
folks, I can, uh, I can do a lot of special things, more shows, um, my behind the scenes stuff. I give you that I could do more research projects for this here particular program as well. So we want to do it. We want to build it up. Everybody appreciate you doing that. Follow me at Jeff underscore mans on Twitter, the Jeff Mans on Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, and TikTok. Come by the draft room over at fantasyguru.com and say hi. We, uh, I'm in there a couple times a week. Um, I'm in there a lot on the weekends. My boys, Tyler Beaker, Armando Marcel, Russell Clay, they handle a lot of the weekday stuff just because I get busy. But uh, as draft, more and more drafts pop up and our the draft season becomes hotter, I'm going to be in that draft room just about every night helping folks in real time make the right decisions and uh, keeping y'all on path towards that championship. Appreciate you guys tuning in. That is it for episode 74. You may disagree with some or everything that you heard on today's episode. And it's perfectly all right. Why? You know why? Because it was one man's opinion. We'll see you next time, everybody. Deuces.